Hello and welcome to Pharmacy for Me, your go-to platform for evidence-based best practice pharmacy advice for common kids presentations to pharmacies. I'm Katie McGee, a registered pharmacist with the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Authority, and I bring you this series of episodes to help assist your decision making in managing and treating your little ones if they become unwell and need professional advice. Welcome back to another episode of Pharmacy for Me. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode on teething. Please um, feel free to reach out and send me a message through the Instagram um, Pharmacy for Me page and let me know what you think of the show and anything that I can do to improve. Today I will be covering the topic of colic. I will cover what colic is, what does it even mean, what defines a baby to have colic and how to navigate this. I will go through ways to attempt to settle a baby with colic and treatments to avoid Um, things to look out for that would require a GP visit and some red flags as well to seek immediate medical attention. Lastly, I'll be talking about parental and caregiver stress and postnatal depression and why on earth I might be talking about this in a colic episode, you will soon find out. Those who have had a baby with colic will understand why this fits very well into this episode. I'll finish up today's show with what next week will bring and also where to find any resources from today's show. So what is colic? Colic is an old term that still gets used today which is a little bit frustrating. I think it could be better well understood to what you're actually referring to. Um, It actually has no standard definition to what it is. It is commonly thought to be a stomach upset. Um However, colic is nothing but a term used to basically describe excessive crying of a baby for no other known reason. So for that reason, I'm going to refer to it as colic crying. Crying babies cause distress and exhaustion for caregivers who also often get confusing and conflicting advice for how to um, fix it. This is usually from both practitioners, but also other mums, parents, or friends. Crying is normal for babies. Colic crying, however, is inconsolable crying where there is no other reason for it. About one in five babies will get colic crying. From eight to six weeks of age, a baby cries on average for two to four hours a day. This usually improves by about three to four months and the longest crying time is usually the two to three month of age period which babies can cry for at least six hours a day. Colic is a baby crying and it also can be referred to with other terms and one of them being the period of purple. If you haven't heard of this, I really like this term and I think it's a much better representation of a colic crying baby. First, it's called the period of purple because it is a period. There is a start and there is an end. Although it may not feel like it at the time, it will end. And each letter of purple stands for something. So P is the peak of crying. Your baby may cry more each week. And as I said, it's the most most around the second month of age, but it should get less from three to four months. The U in purple stands for unexpected. 
Colic crying can come and go without you knowing exactly why. So it's completely unexpected. The R in purple is resist soothing. So your baby may not stop crying no matter what you try. So it resists any soothing. P in the purple is pain-like face. So when your baby is crying, they may look like they're in pain, even though they are not. L in purple is long-lasting. As I said, crying can last a long time, and in that high cry average crying period time around that two-month mark, it can sometimes last for at least six hours a day. And the E in purple is evening. So crying associated to colic is usually worse in the afternoons or evenings. However, it can still occur at any time and last for hours. So I really like this definition period of purple as it represents, the purple represents all those things that um, really define um, what you might see in a colic crying baby. So your peak of crying, it's unexpected, they'll resist soothing, they'll have pain-like face, it'll be long-lasting and commonly in the evenings. Colic crying does not differ between males and females, breast or formula-fed babies or full-term and preterm babies. So do not worry about that if you have one or the other and you have another parent saying, um, different. So there's evidence has shown that there's no difference to, that any of them result in a colic crying baby. For a practitioner to say your baby has colic in terms of diagnosis as such, they use the rule of three threes. So the first one is crying that lasts for three or more hours a day. And the second is for three or more days per week. And the third is in an otherwise healthy baby less than three months old. Because as I said, from three to four months is when it generally start, should start to resolve. When you think that a baby can cry for six hours a day for a couple of months, you can see why colic is frequently used term for crying babies with this criteria that gets used. So it actually seems like a pretty low criteria to be able to say that your baby has colic. Before thinking your baby has colic, other medical issues need to be ruled out. To do this, you need to keep track and keep a record of a few things. So you need to, or you should record feeding amounts if possible. Keep a record of how the baby reacts to feeding. For example, if they're drinking a lot, having difficulty drinking, frowning, happy or unhappy. Record a sleep cry diary to help explain their patterns. And recognize signs of tiredness to try and encourage sleep and attempt to avoid overtiredness. Signs of frowning, clenching hands, jerking arms or legs, crying or grizzling could be any some signs of a baby getting tired. Yes, this may seem impossible when you are sleep deprived and exhausted. 
So try and find a way that helps suit you best as possible to even record one or two of these things. A good way of tracking things can be an app on your phone because we take them everywhere with us these days Uh, or use a notepad or multiple notepads. I like this one because I'm a very um, pen to paper type person, very visual, and you could put one in each room where you usually feed um, the baby or sleep, so beside the bassinet where you put down and pick up the baby. So if you have one in every room, um, you know it's always there whenever you're picking up or putting down or feeding baby. There are many reasons a baby will cry. So think of these reasons of why your baby might be crying and attend to them. So firstly, if the baby is hungry, feed them. If baby is overtired, they need sleep. You need to consider the total sleep had over 24 hours period. So it should not fall more than an hour short of the in quotation, average of their age. So that is from birth, 16 hours. So therefore, they should not get any less than 15 hours sleep in a 24-hour period. From two to th- one to two months, it goes down to 15 hours. So they should not get any less than 14 hours in a 24-hour period. From six weeks, they generally become tired after being awake uh, one and a half hours. And from three months of age, it goes up to being tired after about two hours. Other things to consider is that the baby may be too hot or too cold. Make sure they always have a nice room temperature and or they may need a nappy change. So how do you distinguish colic crying from normal crying? Colic crying usually happens as outbreaks with a clear beginning and also end. It also generally does not relate to how the baby was just prior to the crying. So they may have been happy, fussy, sleeping, feeding. It doesn't relate to whatever they were doing beforehand. Colic crying also may be bigger and more in saying that it may be louder, higher pitched compared to normal crying. And due to this is why it is commonly thought that the baby is in pain because they're letting out such big cries. Colic is thought to be stomach pain as the child will commonly draw up their legs, but there's no good evidence that this is actually due to stomach pain or problems. There are a lot of theories about what might cause stomach upset and hence colic pain which I just want to address. So if there's any issues feeding, such as underfeeding, overfeeding, or not burping, so there's no evidence that this um, results in colic crying. It's a separate issue. Cow's milk intolerance. So there's inconclusive evidence. However, there are obviously a small number of people that you could assume do get stomach upset from part allergies. But again, that would be an allergy to cow's milk and doesn't necessarily correlate to colic. Um, Lactose intolerance, again, unclear evidence and research have conflicting results. So similar to the cow's milk intolerance, 
babies and persons can have lactose intolerance, but that has separate testing and there isn't any evidence to correlate it to colic crying. Um, not having a fully formed stomach or gastrointestinal tract resulting in incomplete absorption, resulting in gas. Again, inconclusive evidence for this um, with inconsistent results. There is also no evidence for swapping um, from breastfeeding to formula has any benefits of resolving colic. So if you are breastfeeding and your baby has colic, don't stop purely for that reason um, because switching to formula, that formula, there's no evidence that that will help. One thing to note is that parents smoking during pregnancy or postpartum has shown to increase the risk of colic crying in several large studies. This has been shown for both tobacco and nicotine replacement therapy. However, I would recommend if you do smoke and are pregnant postpartum to speak with your GP and or maternal health nurse and use nicotine replacement therapy instead of smoking tobacco um, due to reduced health risks um, for yourself. So on to treatments. The aim of treatment is to reduce the baby crying and to help the caregiver or parents cope. Firstly, make sure um, the baby is not hungry, tired, needs a nappy change, hot, cold, things I talked about earlier. Treatment is not easy. There is no medication that you can just give them to stop them crying, unfortunately. The baby crying does not hurt the baby, although it can make the parent worry um, when the cry is so intense. You need to try and develop patience and practice to find what works for you and your baby as everyone is different. Sometimes nothing will work, so you will need breaks, which I'll talk about a little bit later. The best way to attempt to support a baby with colic crying is by using settling techniques to help with discomfort or distress. This could be by um, if you create and try establish a good routine um, and pattern for feeding and settling and then sleeping. Settle the baby the same way for naps during the day and sleep at night so that it can start to become predictable behavior for the baby to know when it's time to sleep. So for example, you might do quiet play, move to the bedroom, just the two of you, wrap baby, read a story or sing a song, um, put baby in the cot, rub their back and leave the room. And if you do that for every nap type, it can start to become a bit more predictable behaviour and so the baby can think that, okay, it, time is coming for me to go to sleep. Avoid anything that could increase reaction and stimulate the baby, such as loud noises, bright lights, moving them around a lot, um, but also avoid dead quiet. Most babies find it the most soothing, having low noise in the background. Darken the room when napping. You could play gentle music. Try to attend to a baby when they have colic crying before they get too worked up, um, especially if they're hungry or have a full nappy or tired, things that you can try to get onto quickly 
and try and help soothe that before um, they kind of get into that colic crying, can't self-soothe. You can swaddle them in a large, thin blanket um, to help them feel secure and hold them in your arms. Um, Turn on calming sounds or white noise, so similar to that background noise, just to try and to mimic being in the womb a little bit. And you can also walk or rock the baby. The main point, one of the main points here is medication is not indicated for colic. There's medications out there that are indicated for other indications, so other conditions and issues, which I'll go through some of them now, but they're not actually indicated for colic crying. There's nothing you can give your baby to stop them crying. So the first one is reflux medications. You can buy these over the counter in the pharmacy and they usually contain ingredients such as magnesium and sodium alginate. In studies, these have been shown to be ineffective in reducing colic crying compared to giving a baby non-medication. So reflux medications can be used for reflux through your GP if your baby's diagnosed with reflux, but if your baby has colic, they do not need reflux medication. The next one is colic mixtures, including gripe water. Again, you can just go in and buy this over the counter from the pharmacy, a very common um, thing that gets recommended and used. There's no proven evidence for benefit. Most evidence have major issues with them and therefore any form of herbal or complementary medicine is actually not supported for using colic. Some of them even have filling, in quotation, ingredients. So if you do want to use any herbal mixtures, please get a list of all the ingredients in the solution, not just the active ingredient. Take that list to your GP nurse or pharmacist to review if it is safe or not for your child. Often on the front of the bottle it will just have um, the active ingredient and on the back there'll be a whole list of ingredients in there. So I'm talking about that list to take it in Um, because sometimes things can slide through the cracks that may not be safe. The next one is simethicone otherwise known as Inficol. This again is on the shelves at the pharmacy, says it's for colic. However, there is no effect on crying in the evidence when compared to non-medication. So there's no evidence for it. It's not recommended for colic crying. The next one is probiotics. Again, you can buy these over the counter from your pharmacy. There's limited evidence to support use of probiotics. You would need to see your GP or maternal health nurse first to establish there is no other reason for colic and to be assessed um, if your baby would benefit and the safety um, on an individual level. So if this is something that you may want to try, don't go and buy it from your pharmacy first and use it. Talk to your doctor because it there is some limited evidence, but it's for specific groups of um, children only. Um, so definitely don't go and buy it. Talk to your health professional first. Um, the next is anticholinergic medication. This is not available over the counter, but I just wanted to touch on it. Um, these medications have been used previously 
um, which are not readily available anymore. And it's because they have been found to be um, effective. However, they're not recommendation um, recommended. They're actually contraindicated. So that means they absolutely cannot be used due to um, the risks associated to it. So the risks are serious side effects, including breathing difficulties, coma, and death. The, they say on them not to be used under six months of age due to these risks. Um, again, not available over the counter, but also colic crying should be resolved by before six months of age usually. So this shouldn't be something that you would turn to regardless. Um, so in terms of that, do not buy any medications off the internet. Um, always talk to your GP, pharmacist or mental health nurse. And if there is anything recommended from any of them, it will be able to be purchased or supplied from your pharmacy. Another treatment that often gets used is spinal manipulation or chiropractic techniques. This is actually encouraged to be avoided um, because it's not indicated for colic crying and it does come with its risks of, an, of its own. The evidence around these techniques are very low quality and therefore it's hard to recommend. Some other things just to remind or let you know your baby is not crying to manipulate you or because of what you're doing you're not spoiling your baby if you're holding them to comfort them and the last thing I actually had was rice cereals have been shown not to improve colic so just something else to be aware of there um, some things to think about if you notice that you, any of these things you should book into your GP or maternal health nurse. So if you get any um, sudden onset of irritability or crying, if you're worried about your baby's crying or don't know how to handle it, if your baby has poor feeding, so spitting out feeds a lot after feeding or has difficult doing a poo or diarrhea, if you have a baby older than four months and still having colic crying or if your baby has poor growth. Finally, some red flags. So this is to seek medical attention straight away, um, either by if you can get straight into your GP or going to an emergency department. Um, so vomiting or diarrhea with blood. If your baby is greater than three months and has a fever, so of 38 degrees or higher. If your baby cries for longer than two hours without stopping. If baby refuses to eat or drink. If baby is not responding or acting normally. Or if crying could be the result of an injury or a fall. Lastly, I just want to touch a bit on um, the emotional stress um, colic can give. So caregivers especially the primary caregiver for the baby um, with colic crying can lead to often feeling frustrated, angry, exhausted, guilty, and just helpless at times. This is normal and it does not have any reflection on you as the caregiver and does not indicate any 
incapability or unworthy caring for your baby. Parent factors have been proposed to be associated to colic crying, including any family stress, maternal anxiety and tension from mother to infant. Parental depressive symptoms have also shown to have an associating to colic crying in infants. Studies have suggested also that colic crying is associated with an increased risk of postpartum depression and stopping breastfeeding early for those who do. Colic crying is not harmful to the baby in the short or long term, as I've said. It does not hurt the baby. However, it is a burden on the parents and sometimes this results in the parent taking it out on the child and sometimes even physically hurting the child or baby. So shaken baby syndrome is the term used to describe the injuries suffered by babies who are violently shaken, often by a parent or other adult who's just become overwhelmed by the excessive colic crying. Infants do not have sufficient strength in their necks um, to limit head movement and shaking causes the head to move suddenly and uncontrollably. As the head moves backwards and forwards when a baby is shaken, the brain hits the inside of the skull and it, this causes serious damage and even death to the child. So things you can do to support yourself or um, any other new parent or caregiver or anyone with a young child that you know is suffering with colic crying. So have the main caregiver take a rest at least once a day without chores. Have someone else care for the baby for brief periods to help um, give the parents that break. Um, look out for new parents if they are family or friends. Offer time with them or to even take the baby for a walk um, so that they can have a shower for an hour or something. If you're the caregiver, take a break. This is normal and anyone with a crying baby needs time alone. What you can do is leave the baby in a safe place even just for a few minutes. So ensure the baby is placed on their back in a crib or bassinet with side rails and remove any loose items that may be in there like blankets or toys that could suffocate the baby. Taking time out allows you to phone a friend for help, escape the cry and provide a minute's relief so you don't take it out on the baby. Other things that you can do um, when you put the baby down in a safe spa um, space to help calm down is listen to music for a few minutes Take 10 long, slow breaths, so breathing in for four breaths, hold for two, and breathe out long and slow through your mouth for six seconds, and do it 10 times. You can complete a simple household chore or task to take your mind off it if you want. It could be as simple as wiping the kitchen bench. If you've not calmed down, within 10 to 15 minutes, go and check on your baby, but do not pick them up. Do not pick them up until you've calmed down, which then you can pick them up and start self-soothing techniques again. Repeat the above 
until you have calmed down. If you are afraid you might hurt your baby, shaking or hitting even without meaning it, uh, meaning it, call for help. You can speak with your GP if you would like to seek support from a psychologist. There are support programs funded um, through your GP with Medicare and if you qualify, you can get 10 free sessions per calendar year with a selected psychologist under something called a mental health plan. This also has recently increased to 15 sessions due to COVID. So if this is something you're interested, please go and talk to your GP about um, acquiring a mental health plan. Other lines you can use is Lifeline is a 24-hour service you can call on 131114. There is Beyond Blue, which is a 24-hour service as well, which is 1300 224-636 and they also have a web chat online on their website or call triple zero if you're feeling you're at breaking point and that you could um, cause harm to your child. The resources and references will be available in the show notes and I'll also put them up on the Instagram page. Um, so just to summarize a few of the main points covered in today's episode. So Colic is a word used to describe inconsolable crying in babies. It's said to be greater than three hours per day for more than three days per week in babies under three months old. But remember that some babies will cry for six or more hours a day. Colic crying is common and it has nothing to do with the parent's capabilities or the baby's sex or feeding type. Crying can peak from two to three months and hopefully resolves by four months of age. But then you get to go into teething, so make sure you listen to episode one for what to deal with after that. Crying can be more common in the evenings. The cause is not known for colic crying, but does not differ between sex or how the baby is fed. Before diagnosis and treatment, you need to rule out any other issues that could um, that it could be, um, which there could be many. So see your GP or maternal health nurse before assuming that your baby has colic. The main way to help a baby with colic crying is to use soothing techniques such as white noise, swaddle and cuddle, maintaining a routine, but sometimes there is nothing that you can do which will soothe a colic cry. Do not give your baby medication to make you feel better. They have poor evidence behind them and will not resolve the colic. The most important thing to do around colic is supporting the caregivers. If you or anyone you know is having difficulty with a crying baby, please reach out to those close to you or a trusted healthcare professional. If you think you may hurt your baby or are really struggling, Use the 24-7 contact lines from Lifeline or Beyond Blue to navigate what to do or call triple zero. The information discussed today is accurate only up until the date of publication. Remember that information discussed today is sourced appropriately, researched, and you can find references in the notes and on Instagram. So please make sure you follow me on Pharmacy for Me. 
Next week, I'm going to do a topic that will use the medications and recommendations from both last week's episodes of teething and today's of colic, and it will be pain and fever. So hopefully it will tie up three big topics and will give a nice overview of the three of them, how to navigate a timeline and distinguish between um, these three really common um, conditions in children. I'll be putting up some question boxes and polls on my Instagram, so please respond and let me know what I can do to help um, get across the information that you guys actually want. Um, That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. This podcast is where pharmacy is done differently. I'm Katie McGee, and you've just listened to another episode of Pharmacy for Me. The advice shared via Pharmacy for Me is considered general in nature and does not consider individual and personal circumstances. Pharmacy for Me presents evidence-based information for education purposes only. Always seek professional advice from your pharmacist or doctor if you have any concerns about an individual and medical decision making. Pharmacy for Me is presented by Katie McGee, a registered pharmacist with the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Authority. The information provided is within the presenter's scope of practice and abides by national law and the Pharmacy Board of Australia's Pharmacist Code of Conduct.